Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790. The Ticket Tobin here with you. As next hour, we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Obviously, we're in a quiet time right now. The 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 calm before the storm, love, as they call it. I don't know if that is what they call it, but we uh we are in a, a bit of a a lull until we get to finally. Are we gonna bring up the Fight Island song for UFC? I would be uh, you know I I I started with such a hate for it, but now I have so, sort of a love hate for it. I would love to hear it again. And hold us down. They did that one for uh, was that for the Masvidal fight? That was for Masvidal and Kamaru Usman. Uh, because uh, Usman, he did hold him down, and he did get the win. Uh, we get to Kamar. We got a little news on Kamar Usman and his next fight uh, in just a bit. But I want to get into a little bit. Listen, just of Connor and Dustin Poirier. That is the uh, the monster headliner to start off the year. That is the one that we're kind of all counting down to. There are good fights in the in between, and we talked about those last week. One did get blown up by uh, by COVID with uh, the Hamza Shemaev and um, Leon Edwards fight. But this is uh, this is the, the the big one. This is the one that we're all waiting for. There were news this week that they're going to have some fans there uh, on on Fight Island on, on under huge protocol. But uh, I'm excited for this. I, I really really I've been excited for this matchup for a long time. Uh, I'm mostly excited for Dustin because I feel like Dustin for the longest time my favorite fighter to watch every single time bar none was Robbie Lawler. I just felt like Robbie Lawler was always going to give you his money's worth your money's worth. He was always going to give you it all out. It could always end up being the greatest fight you've ever seen. Even in losses, I felt like he was such a savage. Uh, and then his wins were just unbelievable. His win over Rory McDonald, I think, is maybe the best fight I've ever seen. Definitely the best fight in a championship performance for the the comeback of it, the, the gruesomeness of it, all that type of stuff. Um, I love Robbie Lawler. But I do think that Dustin... Uh, I think he's taking the mantle. I mean, that last performance that he had against Dan Hooker, I was so excited watching that fight. And it was, you know, so impressive to see a guy like that because it had taken him so long to get to the shot of, first of all, winning an interim belt, beating Max Holloway in a fight. Everybody thought Max Holloway was going to steamroll him. And then, you know, the fight against Habib, you know, finally getting to that mountaintop of getting a title shot because he was never going to be the guy who would call out anybody or would be the guy maybe who was on the first tip of every fan's tongue. But I really feel like this is a guy who should be so appreciated by the UFC fans. And it was actually funny because I was looking back at the first Conor McGregor fight from 2014 where he was a featherweight and Connor dealt with him at about a minute 45, I think it was, you know, left hand, right on the head, and, and that was all she wrote. And 
you're talking about two guys who really were at such different parts of their career. Not that Dustin hadn't already been established. I think Dustin already, I think, uh, I think he had had the most featherweight finishes to that point. So it's not to say that he wasn't a good fighter, but I really felt like Dustin was crafting himself to become a, a really great fighter when Connor was in this supernova greatness run that we were watching. I mean, the Connor McGregor run through featherweight, I think, is one of the great runs we'll ever see in the sport ever. And since then, you know, Dustin's had 12 fights. 12 fights. I mean, that's almost like that's a that's almost a UFC career unto itself. And that's just kind of an era of his life being in this this lightweight division, which at the time, really since he's been in, it has been the best division that there has been in in the sport with the Tony Ferguson's, the Habib Nurmagomedov's, the Eddie Alvarez's, the Justin Gaethje's, um, you know, and and he has been just as big a a success story in this out of any of them. And it really took him forever to get to that mantle. And then you think about the fact that he came up short against Khabib, which everybody does. And, and, and seemingly we, we were witnessing maybe the best lightweight champion of all time. And he didn't get down on himself. You know, he, he had a, he had a, a big layoff and he had some injuries to take care of, but he didn't get down on himself. He didn't get fat and sassy from getting to the mountaintop. He put forth maybe one of his great, greatest performances yet. Fight was as savage as it got between him and Dan Hooker. They really were going at that uh, at it with that one. That second round was one of the greatest rounds you'll ever see, and I just couldn't believe that this guy who had the young lion in him, in in Dan Hooker, who was really trying to cement himself as a contender. And you think that you've been there, you've already been to that to that place where Dan Hooker's trying to get. It'd be very easy, you know, to wilt in that second round when he's really putting it on you and all the pain that you're going through. And, you know, you still got some name out. And and he showed such fortitude, which he does in every one of these chaotic fights, whether it be the Eddie Alvarez fight, whether it be the Justin Gaethje fight, every single one of these performances that he puts forth when it feels like you know, when guys are starting to wilt, when the chaos gets crazy, that's when this guy gets better. And that's really just been the story of his career since losing to Conor McGregor, really outside of the the one fluke loss to Michael Johnson, where, you know, kind of stormed in and Michael Johnson with that crazy KO power cracked him good and put him out. Um, but other than that, I mean, you think of like the 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 guys that he's taken out of. I mean, like Yancey Medeiros, Joe Duffy, Bobby Green, Jim Miller, Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, kind of twice, Max Holloway, and Dan Hooker. I mean, that is that's just such an impressive resume. Really, the only other guy that he hasn't been able to take out, yes, was Khabib. Uh, the only other elite guy in this division that he hasn't really been able to take out uh, has been Tony. And I guess you know that's not really on trajectory right now. Maybe they could get there. I know there was, they were trying to kind of link that up at certain times, but he's just a, he's just a phenomenally fun fighter. And I'm glad that he's getting this moment to avenge this Conor McGregor fight because, you know, you can always just be thought upon as this one moment. And it felt like, you know, you really look back on it and, and you think about the guys that Conor's taken out and it felt almost like Dustin had to do more work than anybody to get back in there. You think about how many shots Jose Aldo got at the crown and got to be back at the top 
you know, and he suffered the worst loss to Conor McGregor. And this is no knock on Jose. It's just it. It's just the the facts of what it turned out to be. You think about a guy like Nate Diaz, who's lo- beaten Conor, who's lost to Conor, but you know is the Diaz name and has gotten right back to there. And so I just think that uh, I, I just think he's he's got a career that should just really really be appreciated. And I'm looking forward to this bout. I, I'm I'm very interested to see what these two are going to bring to the table for this fight because I do think that they are at strange different parts of their career because a lot of the times I I like to subscribe to the fact of look if we've had a fight and we know what happened the first time we could talk about weight classes we could talk about different parts of their careers all that type of stuff they did you know for for the most part the styles make the fights and that's probably what's going to matter the most um and maybe that's true but maybe it's one of these things where it could be argued that the Conor McGregor that Dustin Poirier was going against was probably the best Conor McGregor there was. I really don't know how many fighters are better than featherweight Conor McGregor. Um, the guy was one of the most unstoppable things in the history of the sport. You know, lightweight Conor McGregor, it's been a ride, you know, and, and it's kind of like this slash era that you have to like Conor McGregor or welterweight lightweight because he's had these fight like the Cerrone fight was at welterweight but really they're both lightweights so you know it's it's a weird one to categorize um the the Khabib fight like look you know Khabib diced through everybody Connor said that he had a busted up foot in that fight but he didn't look as light on his feet he didn't look like he had he didn't have the same knockout power uh, the Eddie Alvarez is the best, the most optimal performance that we've seen him ever at lightweight where he won the belt and he was unbelievable in that performance. Um, and then you had the Nate fight, which was just was again, they're both lightweights. Really, they were lightweights, but there was on such short notice that they did it at welterweight and then Connor didn't want to shrink it down uh, for the second fight. So that tweener, we've seen a guy who just just hasn't been as dominant as he was at featherweight. It doesn't mean he's not good enough to. I mean, you know, goodness sakes, is the guy who's he's the only man to hold uh, two championships at the same time, uh, or he's the first man to hold two championships at the same time. First guy to ever do it. Then everybody was doing it. You know, he really is a trailblazer of the sport. And that's one of the things with Connor is like, when you get to this point in your career and everybody likes to do the look back of what it was, then you, you start to, to pick at it. And you're like, well, how good was the resume at the time? And I don't want to, you know, do that. I, I don't want to completely disrespect the guy's career. I just think that the, I, the, the versions that I've seen of a guy, the rise of a fighter and then winning that first belt, when you're like a fan and you're watching it, that's, I think one of the coolest things about being a fan. Cause I do think it's hard. I think it, I think it's always hard, you know, the idea of getting all this wealth and fame and becoming a superstar and being the face of tequila and getting into legal problems and getting into and, and you know, blazing these new trails to become, uh, you know, to be a mogul in other parts of life. So you don't have to get punched in the face anymore to make a living. Um, and he's really been the lone guy who's been able to do that, I guess, outside of Ronda Rousey. But Ronda really, once it was over, it was over for Ronda. Like she didn't trying uh you know once she lost to holly home that was kind of it you know she came back and did the one fight with amanda but 
it kind of felt like she was just kind of do it to do it. Like that. You didn't feel like you got the whole experience. She didn't do any media that week. We didn't get any insight to it. Um, I mean, we got more, you know, contact with Ronda Rousey with WWE than we did with her, her final UFC run. And so with Connor, it's interesting because he came back and he's doing, you know, he said that he was going to come back and he wanted to do this whole season thing. Like he wanted to be very active. COVID messed it, must messed that up. So, you know, where, what does that do to a guy? You know, what is, what does that do to a guy who is very diligent, had a plan, had this, you know, whole idea of what the year was going to be. And I think imagined it was going to lead back to a year with fighting Habib Nurmagomedov and it didn't. And we only ended up really getting Habib once and Khabib's, Khabib's father died and, you know, might not come back to the sport. I don't know. I don't know. And, that's another interesting thing that is hanging over this bout is that we have the ideas, is this for the interim lightweight championship? Is this for the lightweight championship? It was funny. There were some um, tweets that came out this week, like I think the DMs to the UFC or they were like DMing fans and they'd be like, congratulations, you're signed up for the lightweight championship of the world. So it's very possible that we get to fight week and it gets announced this is for a championship. What does that do to the stakes? What does that mean to Connor? What does that mean to Dustin? Um, I don't think that the mental stuff is going to matter for Poirier. I don't think that Connor McGregor having this vicious knockout win over you in less than two minutes. I don't think that that is going to have a, a mental effect on Dustin. Quite frankly, I think he's one of the most mentally tough guys in the sport. I just think that as the fight, these, these, as he's matured and these fights get tougher, he seems to get better even against Khabib, you know, where things were looking dire. He still tried to pull a rabbit out of his hat and nearly got that guillotine. And when he was, overmatched and, and and probably didn't have the wherewithal to get a win. He still came very close to pulling it out. And that's the type of guy that we're talking about. He doesn't feel like the same young man that took on Conor McGregor in Las Vegas back in 2014. But Conor did still have his way with him inside of two minutes. And so what do you make of that? You know, it, is this one of those things where I think if Dustin can withstand the storm, and you get away from that Conor McGregor burst. I do think that we always realize that that guy is the most dangerous in the first round. You get out of that first round with Conor McGregor, I do think that there is a bit of a, a, a tail off. If you can get out of the that 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 crazy storm that he's going to bring, you know the huge intro from Michael uh, from Bruce Buffer, the 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 pomp and circumstance, the bright lights, all of that type of stuff. And you get past all of that, then you got to figure out, all right, what kind of crazy stuff is he going to come with? Is he going to come with the crazy karate kicks? Is he going to come in with, uh, is he going to come in with, you know, the shoulder knocks? Is he just going to be looking for that, you know, that pawing right, uh, lead right to, to, to hit that, that, that left hand bomb? What is going to be the thing is, you know, what's his movement going to be like? Is he going to be as fast as he was when he was at 145 pounds? Um, and then if you think you're Dustin, like with all the punishment that you've taken over your career in that time, I remember this being the thing where Connor tried to point that out early on in his career that he thought that Dustin had, t it was funny. I remember him saying like, you know, Dustin, his, his chin, it just, it, it only has so much and it can't take, and it can't take, uh, these shots from me. Like it would just, it was all, it was already worn out 
seven years ago in Connor's mind. I wonder if that'll be the case this year because I don't know if there's anybody who's taken more shots than than Dustin has. But you just think of the caliber of guys that he's been able to outlast. And that's the thing with him is you have the perennial fighter in Conor McGregor who feels the most dangerous in those first five minutes. And then you have the guy who when this thing gets drugged into the deep waters, when this fight becomes quicksand, you know, in, in the mud and in the blood as it is with Dustin Poirier, that's when he's at his best. Because when guys are tired and the fight's chaotic and things get really hot and heavy and and, and you guys are, are, are bloodied up, barely able to see, somehow that guy always has enough in the gas tank to push a little bit harder. His will in that chaos is just second to none. Like I said, you know, it's uh, it's something that only reminds me of of Lawler, and I think that I would even say, you know, Dustin's probably got a more pristine resume, you know, because you know Robbie's gotten a little bit, it got a little bit ugly there at the end. Um, but I guess it's just to mention, it's gonna be interesting to know what the strategy would be and the game plan from them, like to stay away from Connor, because I do think that is the key. I feel like if he gets out of that that first round storm, um it feels like the fight is right there for the taking for him because Connor's always been a guy who's, whose cardio has been a question, but it's not only just the cardio being a question. It's just a matter of like those, those wars. I mean, not a guy that you have a lot of things that you could go to in the bag and say, Hey, he's had these to come through. Really. It's only the Nate Diaz fight uh, that you could really say, Hey, that guy was in an absolute, slobber knocker back and forth and and he really was able to push through and push forth there in the fifth round maybe enough to get his hand raised even if it was controversial to some um but dustin it's just like you go to you go to his his record and you just think like yeah that's kind of what he did to justin gaethje yeah that's kind of what he did to anthony pettis yeah that's kind of what he did to eddie alvarez twice really and so um it's an interesting one. I'm picking Dustin to win the fight. Uh, I may be in the bag for him, and 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 I really am rooting for the guy who's uh, who's kind of adopted home team here in Coconut Creek. But I think that this is one he's been gunning for for a long time, and I do think that he has enough knowledge and has gained enough, and has been good enough at this weight class. He, that's the other thing. I feel like one guy when he moved up in weight got better. And I think one guy when he got one up in weight, he did, he's he's about the same, maybe maybe not as good. And I think that matters. Uh, and I'm typically a guy who will who will stick to hey the styles make the fights, and I saw what I saw, and that's that's good enough for me to know I'm picking this to be the way that that fight's going to go. But I'm not this time. I, I think that Dustin is going to find a way. And I see him pulling something out like like a like a really bloody unanimous decision, like where he's really put the beat, beat the holy hell out of Connor. I don't know if he finishes Connor. Connor's tough, man. I don't think you know unless he finds him in some place to submit him. That's another thing with Dustin. He can be you know nasty jumping into those guillotines and 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 finding some ways to go get wins that way too. Like he's not just a one trick striking pony. Um, not a guy who's necessarily going to go wrestle, but he's really good off of his back. He's really tricky with some of those submissions. So you got to be wary of that as well. Um, I think he's going to get this done. I think that, I think that, that Dustin is going to get the win. I think this is going to be, I think he's probably going to have to, to really ride out the storm in the first round, 
But I think if he does, um, and I think that he will, I'm not going to be soft. I'm not going to say he's not going to. I think that he will, um, that he's going to get his hand raised at the end of this thing and that he'll be better for five rounds. We'll take a quick break here on the show, and we'll get some more of the, uh, the news of the week. Just wanted to get a little uh, into UFC 257 as we stare it down the barrel. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on the show. Uh, we got an announcement this week. Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, a.k.a. BKFC. Uh, had a good time last time we were at their, uh, their event. That was Yuli Diaz getting the three-second knockout. Um, who was the main event? Was that uh? Oh, uh, Luis Palomino getting the uh, he won. He beat uh, he beat Jim Ayler's bare knuckle beast. Uh, that was a, that was a fun night, a real fun night. They announced this week. BKFC announced Knuckle Mania, which is going to be a pay per view event. Paige Van Zant is going to be taking on Britton Hart, February fifth in Lakeland for a big pay-per-view event but chris lieben is on that uh event as well uh fun uh looking forward to the uh to the debut of page vans i was actually it was funny that was a weird night because i remember i was sitting um i was sitting not i don't want to say i was sitting well they don't even call it a cage it's called the squared circle let's just say i was sitting ringside but i was sitting back uh people were not really socially distanced, to be honest. It was like the first event I went to where everybody was kind of on top of each other in the midst of COVID. It was neither here nor there. But Paige Van Zant, her and her husband were sitting like two rows in front of me, and she ends up going to do uh, commentary. And this Britain Hart ends up getting a win. And it was so strange because, you know, you saw like in the whole crowd of it that night, you saw like her management team, the first round management uh, guys, um, like Malky was kind of going back and forth with. Uh, David Feldman, who runs the promotion. And as soon as the fight with Britain goes on, Paige goes to do commentary and Britain Hart gets the win and goes and does like a wrestling call out of Paige uh, right there. But, you know, it was funny because, you know, Paige has this personality of just being super bubbly and sweet. And so there's no scenario that's going to like come out and and they're going to start throwing haymakers at each other. Like, you know, professional fighter new and probably has been getting called out more than anybody in that Beck Rawlings calling her out. Everybody in that promotion is calling her out because everybody knows it's, I would imagine is going to be the biggest pay-per-view draw that they've had. Uh, you know, she's so popular on social media. It is going to be interesting. I wonder what this does. For BKFC, I know that they were very excited to land Paige Van Zandt, that it was the biggest sign that they had had in their promotion. And um, I think that the sport is fun. Like, I've, I've talked about it, like going to these events, um, especially them. I would say like they're, you know, the 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 caliber of athlete that they're getting. Uh, the fights are just a little bit cleaner, um, you know, with some of the uh, the other ones that I've been to. Not so much. Uh, as far as just like the quality of guys are, even though those can sometimes make for the f more fun fights with, uh, with BKFC getting Paige Van Zandt, you know, the thing that's interesting with her is like, it's not like she's known as this dynamic striker. And honestly, her most famous knockout is a kick. And so she doesn't have that in this, like her, it's just Paige going in there and, and throwing hands. And so if you told me like, Hey, Amanda Nunes is making her debut on Bare Knuckle FC this week or BKFC this week. You're like, 
yeah, I'm watching that. If Chris Cyborg is making her debut on BKFC, if Clarissa Shields is making her debut at, at BKFC, I'm just like, yeah, I'm out there. And with Paige, like, I, it's not exactly what she's known for. You know, honestly, I would say Paige is probably known mostly for her grit and toughness. Like, you know, Paige has taken some gnarly, gnarly injuries through the through her fights in the octagon, whether it be broken arms, the crimson face against Rose Namajunas, you know. But as far as, like, what is that signature weapon that she's going to bring to the table, I don't know if that's necessarily going to transfer over to BKFC. But that being said, she's been in there with some of the best in combat sports. Um, and, you know, Britton Hart has gotten a couple wins in a row, but isn't, you know, was was kind of a middling boxer before getting into BKFC. So, you know, it's it's her show, man. If she goes out there and she uh, does what I think everybody expects her to do, and which I think is, you know, go and get this win, and, and does it in a good fashion, you know, maybe they got something there. If she doesn't, because I do think that Paige gets probably a, 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 she gets a ton of haters for just, you know, being the pretty girl who does fight uh, and people thinking that she's just the Instagram model who fights. You know, we've talked to Valerie Lareda about this, that, you know, these women who are on Instagram and, you know, are not, ashamed to, to, to put their bodies on Instagram know that that's going to come with territories of guys saying some pretty gnarly stuff about, Oh, you're just a model. You're just this, you're just that. And it's almost like the pressure is ramped up to a different level. Um, and she's been dealing with that since the beginning. So I don't think that's going to affect her at all. She's probably as Teflon to that as it gets when it comes to the sport. But as far as the skill set is concerned, uh, it's going to be interesting because yeah, she has used those kicks before she has used a, uh, tried to go in her bag as far as it's concerned with with her mixed martial arts career. So what is that going to mean when it's just hands? Uh, other news we got this week, as far as the UFC is concerned, a couple of things. We got the uh, we got news of Kamara Usman, Gilbert Burns. They are going to be fighting at UFC 258. That is going to be in February. I'm looking forward to that fight. That was supposed to be the original fight that we were going to get on Fight Island before Kamara uh, ended up taking on Jorge Masvidal on short notice. Now remember, Gilbert was on that huge run uh, where he was taking out people left after right. He was really taking advantage of the COVID times and, you know, really got a rock back and put himself in a big contending spot. Now he's going to go take on a guy, Kamar Usman. Now, I don't think it's like the same. Uh, I don't think it's like the same thing as far as like the whole training thing being weird because I know Kamara was you know, moving off to Colorado to do some things like that and, and, and kind of break off. So I don't think that whole awkward scenario is going to be quite the same, but it is going to be interesting because, you know, these guys do know each other so well and with Kamaro, you know, is he going to go into this trying to make any kind of a statement? Uh, you know, some people thinking that, you know, he gets the, the knock of, uh, of being a little bit boring, especially after his last fight against with, uh, with Jorge, but you know, he took that fight on short notice too. I wouldn't, put myself in the risk of, of letting Jorge Masvidal strike or be in a, in a striking position with him because when he does, it's it's bad news. He's going to get outstruck by Jorge Masvidal. That's just what it's going to be when you're in a position with uh, with Colby Covington and you feel a little bit like you're on equal playing ground there. Then he's a little bit more willing to stand back. That Colby Covington, come on, Usman fight, though, that was, that was an amazing bout. Really wouldn't mind seeing that one again. I wonder if this will be the same, though. Like, we have two guys who... You know, you have one guy whose wrestling is out of this world. You have another guy whose submission game is out of this world. They know each other so well. Will that lead to 
uh, a Colby Covington like fight where these guys are standing banging basically for five rounds. And if that is the case, I do think that Gilbert's got those opportunities to really hurt Kamaro and, and, and to do some chance and vice versa. I think Kamaro can drop some, some, uh, some really, really hard, uh, hard stuff on, on Gilbert and, and, and put some pain on him. So I'm interested about it, man. We haven't seen Kamaru Usman lose many rounds. We have not seen him lose many rounds, not even fights, rounds. He's that kind of good. So it's cool to hear we got Gilbert out here who's got a, a new bag of tricks. We've seen Kamaru against the established champion. He mowed through Tyron Woodley. Uh, we've seen him against the the maybe the most devastating striker in the division in Jorge Masvidal. He was able to, to neutralize and kind of take out that, that whole question mark. We've seen him against probably the second best wrestler in the division, Colby Covington, broke his jaw in a, in a classic slugfest. Now we see a guy who's got the, the BJJ with some, some dynamic striking as well. So it'd be a real feather in his cap. If he gets past this, it's going to be interesting. I don't want to already you know dismiss um, I don't want to already dismiss Kamaro and where he's at right now. But I do wonder if he is able to get through Gilbert Burns. Obviously, there's talk of Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. I'd imagine whoever wins that's probably going to get a rematch, but he's beaten both of them, you know, so maybe he wants something new. Leon Edwards, you know, Leon's in that tough spot right now where he just hasn't fought in forever. People don't know who he is, you know, maybe, and and, 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 and I believe Kamal's already beat him, you know, so there, he doesn't have a lot going for him in that regard. He just needs something new to happen to him, something fresh to happen to him to really revamp all of that type of stuff. Um, you know, Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Yeah. You know, I think he's, he's another one. He probably needs another win to, to really get himself sparked on up. And, you know, you're talking about a guy who's already had a title reign that hasn't been that long, but he's so far and away seems like the best guy in the division right now, just based on his resume. Um, you know, you might, maybe he's looking for some kind of super fight after this. I don't know. But it's uh, I'm looking forward to that one for sure. They also mentioned Dana did mention that speaking of uh, of guys who are on a roll right now, Charles Oliveira, who looked absolutely spectacular against Tony Ferguson. What a performance that was from him! Um, and I, I really didn't see it coming. You know, I thought you know Tony's fight against Justin. And I have a lot of respect for Charles Oliveira, but I just have I just you know I'm in the bag for Tony. I guess a little bit. I didn't think that anybody would make him look like that again. You know, and I thought that the Justin fight, I, I bought into some of the reasonings for maybe why he didn't look his sharpest. But Dana's saying that it's going to be Gaethje versus Oliveira coming up. So that's an exciting one for the lightweight division. The other one that's exciting, they also announced, is Dan Hooker is going to be taking on Michael Chandler on the Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor card, which is awesome. Also gives you a little bit of a safety net. I'd imagine if anything happens to either one of the participants i guess outside of i guess outside of the rubik's cube that would lead dan hooker to fight dustin because they just did it but you know if connor falls out could it be dustin michael chandler could it be connor versus michael chandler maybe not connor versus dan hooker but i i think it's good to have that safety net of guys who even if something happens at the main event there's a fun matchup there for both those guys this is a big one for Michael Chandler. You know, I've been I've been wanting Michael Chandler to be in the UFC for a long, long time. 
And I, I wish it happened a couple of years ago. I got why he stuck with Bellator. Uh, I remember talking about this at the time, just because if you're Michael Chandler at the point he was in his career, do you want to be the face of Bellator, which he was, uh, which I'm sure he was treated very well and still had some decent matchups to, to get through. You wanted to get your belt back. Did you want to be the guy who was, you know, in Bellator and the face of it all, or did you want to be the guy who was going to go to the UFC? And there was a lot of things that were hanging up in the air. It was a d- division that was, for better or worse, kind of hung up by Connor, Tony, and Habib. And there really wasn't going to be any movement either way. Connor was off boxing. Habib and Tony were in their rivalry. They were always getting injured. So I kind of got why he went away for a little bit, you know, and just just wrote it out in Bellator a little bit more. Um, and it hasn't been like the most perfect run. It wasn't like, you know, Ben Askren coming in unblemished in the UFC. Like he had the weird Brent Primus fight where he had the nerve damage. He had the loss to Pitbull. Um, but he's still a really good fighter, man. And he's a guy he's beaten, uh, the likes of Eddie Alvarez before. And, you know, Eddie was at one point UFC champ. I think that he does present a lot of problems. He is super powerful. He is a great wrestler. He trains with the best. Um, He just has been in the second fiddle promotion for his entire career, basically. And so when we're going to be sitting here and we're going to be wondering what he's going to bring to the table, um, I think we're bringing They're bringing in a guy who's got a great skill set, who can, who can do a lot of great things. I definitely wish that this, you know, move would happen when he was like 31, 32 rather than 34. But that is what it is, man. I mean, sometimes just things don't line line up perfectly. But, I, I mean, really, if you're going to tell me Michael Chandler is going to be in there with the likes of Justin Gaethje, he's going to be in there with the likes of Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira, Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson, there's just not a bad fight there. There's not. But there's a lot of pressure. If he comes out, because Dan is like a fringe top five guy. You know, Dan, if Dan would have beaten Dustin, maybe he's knocking on the doorstep of a title. But he's still in that realm of, Everybody thinks he's a really dangerous guy and thinks he could be a contender, but he's not there yet. So I do think that Michael Chandler, I think he's got more pressure in this fight because he's coming in as the outsider with something who the last guy to do that, like I mentioned, was Ben Askren. Uh, it didn't go great for Ben. It was not a great run for Ben. Ben had the 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 kooky fight with Robbie Lawler where he you know basically got bailed out by Herb Dean. He had the five the infamous five second knockout of against Jorge Masvidal, which is probably what he's most known for now. You know, the Damian Maya fight. So, but there have been other guys who have come in and, and doing great stuff. There's been plenty of guys from Strike Force who have been become champions. We've seen Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje came from World Series of Fighting and made it all the way to the championship fight against Khabib Nurmagomedov. So. Just because he's coming in from another promotion, do not dismiss this man and what he's able to do. I think that they have themselves a real opportunity here uh, to have some fun matchups with Michael Chandler in what I would imagine is probably like the last three years of his career. Uh, I mean, unless he's going to be fighting forever. But he's still in that that prime window where I think he can still give some uh, some really good fights. And then the last thing that was announced this week, a big one, Triple championship card coming up, UFC 259, uh, which is going to have Stylebender versus Jan. We knew about that. Uh, and Stylebender going for two belts. We have Amanda Nunes going against Megan Anderson. That one was, uh, what was that supposed to be in December? And it got put, and it got pushed back. And then we got Piotr Jan against Aljamain Sterling. 
that's the fight I'm honestly looking forward to the most. I can't wait for that fight, the the bantamweight championship. And actually, Piotr is fighting. Uh, he's training at ATT now, which is kind of cool. Welcome with the rest of the Russians in Miami, Piotr. Welcome. Piotr Jan down here hanging out with my boy Sergey Bobrovsky. I don't know if they're actually hanging out. I shouldn't assume that all the Russian athletes are hanging out. That's not cool of me. But I like to imagine that they are. Um, I can't wait for that card. I'm not a huge I'm not a huge fan, not to be a spoiled brat about it. I'm not a huge fan of triple championship cards. They're cool for the for the poster. They make for a long night. Um, but something tells me that like I, I got the feeling like Stylebender and, and, and Jan Blahovich isn't gonna go five. I got the feeling Amanda Nunes and Megan's not gonna go five. I don't know about the Bantamweight. Bantamweight, I think, it could go either way. I could see it going quick, I could see it being dragged out. But uh, man, it's a it's a really fun year of UFC that's going to come up. We'll get into a little bit of boxing coming on up. Some sweet science news and notes, uh, especially some movement with the lightweight division and some possible matchups that we got coming up. We'll get to that next. Welcome back to Fighters Fury, everybody. Let's get into a little bit of the uh, sweet science boxing news that had gone on, that had gone on this week. I got to be honest with you, the first thing that I'm excited about, a couple things. I'm excited about a couple of local things that I want to mention. One. Uh, Shannon, the cannon Briggs, I saw his Instagram filled with Shannon in the gym, which are always my favorites. I love your memes, Shannon, you know that buddy. But, uh, when I get, when I get Shannon, the cannon in the, in the gym, working, looking good, looking spry, looking to get ready for Mike Tyson. I'm telling you, man, that is the fight they should do. I'm telling you, you know, and a lot of people think that all oh, you're, you're just saying that cause you're your guy. This guy will be such a great antagonist for Mike Tyson, you know? The thing with the Roy Jones, thing, it was great. It was fun. Snoop, I loved it. All of it, you know. But the thing that was missing with it is that Roy and Mike, there's no bad guy there. Everybody's rooting for who. And, you know, the only thing we came away with it was, yeah, maybe Roy wasn't in the, the shape that he needs to be. I think you need somebody to push Mike's buttons. And I think that Shannon can do that. So I hope that he does get that fight next. You know, the Holyfield thing's cool, too. But, um, you know, I, I do think that it's going to bring up a lot of stuff in the lead up. Everybody's obviously going to talk about the bite and all that. So obviously, it's it would do more business. I'm not going to try and argue that, but I think a more entertaining lead up would be would be Shane and the Cannon. So I was happy to see him uh, back in the gym this week. Made me very happy to see that. Also, if you guys are looking for a little bit of boxing coming up, let me get this up for you. Coming up on. January 23rd, so it is the same night as UFC 257, but uh, maybe you watch a little live early and you know head on over to the Cheetah and you watch UFC. I don't know, whatevs. Uh, Boxing at the Amp is coming Saturday, January 23rd. It is Road Warrior Promotions. Yes, the Road Warrior himself, Glenn Johnson, is putting on a show, and he is uh, he's going to be putting it on at the Miramar Regional Amphitheater. Uh, tickets are available at Ticketmaster.com, but uh, I'm a big fan of Glenn Johnson on uh, on on social media. It was funny. I, actually, I, I remember going to take one of his boxing classes at uh, Body and Soul in Miami because their gym is no, dude. Their gym is nice. It's nice. Like they have like NBA players that go work out there and stuff like that. Uh, it's a nice place, and I just wanted to go. I was like, they have class like Glenn. You could just go take a class with Glenn Glenn Johnson. And you could. This dude, I mean, he whooped my ass. You know, I was too embarrassed to say like what I did. Uh, we ended up following each other on social media and 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 stuff like that, and have messaged back and forth a couple of times. But I was like, 
at the time when I went to do the class, I was like, I was too mad. I was like, hey, you know, I host the show and you're the road warrior and all that type of stuff. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to put on a good show, man. I saw a guy, uh, JD Martinez, pretty boy Martinez. He's going to be uh, on the card. You know, we had him on back when uh, it felt like COVID just started or something like that. And he's been uh, amped to fight. So I think that's going to be a fun one. I'm going to try and make it out for that card. But if you guys are looking for some local boxing, check that out. And I see that our guy, Harold Calderon, King Harold Calderon, he had also uh, posted he has an upcoming matchup. Let me get this. Uh, He is going to be fighting on February 20th. I don't see a location on Harold's Harold's Instagram, so I'll get that to you guys next week because it's got a little bit of time. But uh, that's coming up on February 20th. So he'll be back. He'll be looking to go to 24-0. and 0. A lot of boxing going on down here, man. I saw our guy, Javier Centeno, at the uh, Sweat Box Gym. They got uh, Adrian Broner there. They got uh, Gervonta Davis is there. Uh, Robert Easter is training there. Um, just, a, you know, they're, they're stacking up the stars over there. I saw that uh, uh, Xander Zayas was getting some work with them. Oh, speaking of, speaking of that, uh, that stable, though, uh, so there was news this week that uh george cambosis who's been on the show a couple of times he's uh his title fight was officially ordered by the ibf and is going to be i assume going to be fighting tiafima lopez here's the thing that's interesting about it that a lot of people don't take into consideration with george um australia's like out of the woods with covid dude so they can uh basically just do a regular show over there and you know they can do gate they got their own native son who's going to be there and so i know that george uh i don't think he's gonna be insulted by this i know george hasn't got the name value yet that you know devin does devin haney does or that ryan garcia does after last week or javante davis does after all these weeks but uh he does come with a nation behind him and that's that's valuable, man. Like all these guys, it's great. But um, you know, if you're if you're Tiafima Lopez and you're looking for a place to to sell out an arena, undisputed lightweight championship of the world in Australia, I think that brings a lot of value to the table. So I'd be interested to see what's going to happen with that. You also have, I think that the uh, the WBC came out this week. They wanted to have Devin Haney take on Ryan Garcia. I told you last week, I didn't understand, for the love of me, why Ryan Garcia got a belt. I didn't understand it. It was weird to me. This is no knock on Ryan Garcia. I was thrilled by his performance. Thrilled by it. I just don't understand it. What was he getting an interim belt for? Is Devin hurt again? I don't really understand the purpose of him being an interim champion at anything. It was just strange to me that they did that almost to set up their fight but it just didn't seem like it was it was necessary. So it's a little bit weird. And then we have Ryan who said he wanted to fight Tank, and that got some heat this week because him and Tank Davis got into it on Mike Tyson's podcast, and they seem legit like they want to make the fight happen. And I will give the, the lightweights kudos on this. You know, at least they're all, not only are they, getting heat behind their matchups, but they're actively participating in promoting their matchups. What Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford are doing is, is, is a crime upon themselves because they're both acting like they're way too cool for school. Oh, I don't need this. I'm a hall of famer without it. You're not. 
Uh, Errol Spence, oh, on the A side, 70-30, you know, dismisses it. And I just look at this and I'm just like, really? Like, this is what you want? You want to go to, you know, a, a wing and a prayer? Maybe you'll get Manny Pacquiao or you really want to say, you know, talk to fans who know Sean Porter fight, Porter fight again? These young guns. And I don't know if it's just because, because look, one of the things that's interesting about it is uh, Terrence, quiet guy by nature, uh, admittedly doesn't like doing a lot of media interviews, likes to do it with certain guys that he feels have been respectful for him his whole career. Um, nothing against that. Uh, Errol, uh, another guy, you know, lives out in, in Texas on his farm with his chickens and his horses and, you know, doesn't, uh, you know, does good interviews, but isn't like the most outspoken outlandish dude in the world. He's kind of got like a reserve sly swag to him about him. These guys in lightweight, they're all crazy. They're all braggadocious. They're all swaggering. Honestly, it feels like the one who's probably the one who's probably the least natural with it is probably Gervonta. Like Gervonta is the quietest, but he's got Floyd behind him. So even if he doesn't do the trash talking, you know that they're going to have Floyd there on all access to promote the fight for him. Ryan is like way out there, way outspoken with social media. He's got a gazillion followers. Devin Haney is a great trash talker, great with it, um, smart uh, as as it comes when it when it comes to like. The, the, the science of the sport has all the great stories of the amateurs that he's able to talk to him. And Tia Fimo is just like, he's almost like a ticking time bomb. Like he is just like, I will take on all of you. I will smoke all of you. I'm the king. I don't even like you guys talking about the four. I am so clearly better than all of you. It's just all of it's awesome. And George too. George is, George is, a, is, is, is also got that, they got that swag to him. Dude's got like uh, you know the, the the when he's got the glasses on with the slick back hair, he looks like a looks like a damn movie star. All of them just got such a great charisma that is bringing such a, an excitement to boxing, and they are even if these aren't going to happen in the order that everybody wants. Um, I imagine we're going to get some version of it. In I don't think we're going to go twenty twenty one and none of these guys fight each other. Someone's going to fight someone. Seems like we're probably going to get George versus Tiafimo. And Ryan's going to fight either Devin or Tank. And then whoever's kind of left out in the cold there, hopefully they'll find a great matchup for him that will uh, display their skills at the best rate. Let's say Devin probably needs like the fight that will showcase him the most. But also, if he makes somebody look too foolish, I could see him also being the most avoided because people will say, oh, he's not exciting. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's going to school me. He's going to outbox me. I can see that being an issue for him too. Um, but the fact is, either way, these guys are these guys are tweeting about it, texting about it, uh, interviewing about it seemingly you know, multiple times a week. And that's awesome. Like, at least they're, 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 they're not putting this on life support and being like, oh, you know. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it. Oh, they're beneath me. It's just so lame on the part of of Terrence Crawford and and Errol Spence. Like, look, I get it. Nobody wants their 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 careers to be defined by one fight that you didn't do. But I don't know what to tell you. It is what it is. When you guys are sitting here and you're the bona fide two best welterweights on the planet, and you seem galaxies apart from fighting. That gets annoying to fans, and we you can put it on promoters and managers and all that type of stuff. It's on the way they act about it, too, and 
the the truth of it is when Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua they got to a point where they almost enjoyed keeping the fight away from each other more so than they would have basking in the and having the fight. Tyson Fury, he'll talk about it with anybody. And that's why people really like Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's like, I'll fight him. I'll beat him. I'll beat the brakes off of him no matter what. I'll beat, I'll beat, what did he say? He told it at WSVN this week. He said, uh, well, I don't know when the interview was, but it aired last week. He said uh, that I'll beat him inside of two rounds. I think he's mentally weak. He doesn't act like it's beneath him to talk about this type of stuff. Like he engages in the things the fans want to talk about. And so that stuff is appreciated. It goes a long way. And that's why I think that, you know, four Kings or whatever the hell you want to call five Kings, whatever you want to call this young generation in the, uh, in the 135 division or whatever it's going to grow into. If they all go end up going to 140, this little, this, this contingency here, has the real chance to do something special. And I, it feels like they know that. And it feels like they uh, can, can hone that, take that opportunity and us not. And I will say not give them such a hard time. If they do fight each other and somebody loses, don't treat them like they were bums and you don't make them fight seven times to recreate their careers. Like you guys did to, Erickson Lubin, where he loses to Jamal Charlo, has the balls to fight him at 21 years old, gets starts, and then you never hear from the guy for six years. Um, if you if you let these guys fight and then treat them with the respect of, oh, you guys, you gave me the fights that I want, and it's okay that you have a loss on your resume, that I don't think of you as being a, 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 a fake fighter. If we can all agree upon that, it feels like we could have something really, really awesome here. But boxing and boxing fans, don't be jerks about it. And we could be in for a hell of a, a couple of years here. That's our show for this week, everybody. If you missed any of it, download the podcast. Subscribe, Fighters Fury, on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are available. Also, you can, of course, uh, subscribe to the show on YouTube. Go check that out as well. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.